This podcast is sponsored by Luke1977. If you do fancy getting yourself any gear from over at Luke, don't forget to use my code MAX20 to get yourself a nice big 20% off. Obviously, it is getting a little bit colder outside now and Christmas isn't a million miles away. So if you do want to go and get yourself any gear from over at Luke, don't forget to use my code MAX20. Welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. I'm your host, Max Stokes, as ever, joined by Simon Lyon. Simon, how are you, mate? All good? Yeah, I'm doing really well, thank you. Oh, it's not bad, is it? It's not bad at the moment being a Villa fan. Top four Aston Villa. This is now the top four podcast. It's not bad, is it? Absolutely loving life at the moment. Yeah, do you know what? Can't get can't get much better, can it? I mean, Villa flying high at the top of the table and what, what great games we've got sort of coming up in and around us, you know, against really big sides, you know, in really sort of big... Big high state matches, really, and so yeah, absolutely, absolutely loving it. Oh, it's such an exciting period coming up. I think December. We'll go through the fixtures later, but it's absolutely jam packed. Pretty much a game every three or four days. It's going to be so so good. Coming up in this podcast, then we'll talk about that away day at Spurs. The goals in that game as well. Two of my favourite goals this season. I can't wait to talk about that as well. Uh, we'll talk about the Legia Warsaw game on Thursday coming up thick and fast as well. And of course, we'll talk about the wider picture uh, in the Premier League and Europe as well. Just before we do get into the podcast, then please do leave a review. That is very much. Much appreciated whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is that really would mean a lot, and subscribe as well so you never miss an episode. Please do go and check out Villa on Tour on YouTube as well. Go and check out all the recent video. Well, I say recent videos, just had an international break, but go and check out the Tottenham video if you haven't already, because that is an absolute belter. And just a side note as well, we don't really mention this on a podcast, but shout out to everyone who came up to us uh, at Tottenham. That was really, really lovely. Got quite a few people saying they love the podcast. So it's always nice when people come up to you, don't they? And it kind of put because you see all these numbers on a page, oh, this many people have listened to the podcast, this many people have watch the video but to actually speak to people in, in real life it's nice isn't it Si? Yeah it's, it's, you know what? it's really nice like I, I, I really enjoy it just meeting meeting new people and just hearing their sort of stories really as well about how they follow Villa and how the podcast and how the vlogs like really sort of help them out as well some people who don't go to the games I think that's the I think, I think that's the main one isn't it it's that you know you, we, we, we get messages as well obviously not not in person we, we get messages as well online and people just say about you know how we bring it into their sort of living rooms and onto their phones etc etc so yeah we, we really appreciate all the all the nice messages it's uh yeah re- really welcome it is it's very very lovely like literally every villa on tour video there's comments about villa fans who live all over the world saying it's so good that we do the videos and stuff so that is very much appreciated quite a bit to get through then in this one um it was a long day yesterday going down to tottenham i think what you got up at silly o'clock didn't you i think you were up at what 5 a.m ish was it uh yeah, my alarm my alarm went off at five. I eventually I eventually <laughs> rolled out of bed at half five. But uh, but yeah, five o'clock start. So yeah, it was quite an early one. Yeah. Yeah, the coach that we get goes ever so early. The coach was at half seven. Uh, a couple of hours down to London. I think we were there for about half nine, ten o'clock. Um, but it was a good day out, wasn't it? It was a really good day. Out. I do like going to Tottenham. It's a very decent stadium. Obviously, one of the newest ones in the Premier League. It's quite unique on the inside and outside. I think we were speaking to Justin from the Up the Villa podcast before the game, mm. weren't we? And he was sort of saying that it, that that stand beyond. 
the goal at Tottenham is very similar to the one in Dortmund and it's sort of obviously the atmosphere is nowhere near it but just that sort of it's unique isn't it I mean we were talking about the old White Hart Lane and I was gutted that I'd never been to that one because that was a proper stadium like a proper like shoe box of a stadium but the new stadium it's proper isn't it I do like it in terms of modern stadiums how they go it's one of the better ones it's good yeah, yeah I, I, I like it I think it's quite unique you know you look at a lot of a lot of the new stadiums these days they are just sort of soulless sort of bowls aren't they but to be fair to mm. Tottenham I think they did try and do something a little bit different especially with that you know the massive stand behind the goal I mean I always think like imagine like how how like small the pitch and the players must feel to, uh, to be at like the top of that stand <laughs> like it must feel mad but yeah I, I like the stadium I do and you know it's good um, well well obviously it's great facilities because it's such a new stadium but um, yeah I think overall I think I think it manages to capture a little bit of the atmosphere as well I think some of the mm. some of the newer stadiums can sort of make the atmosphere just go dead can't they but um, yeah I, I, I quite like it especially for a, a multi-purpose sort of stadium because they host a lot of like NFL stuff there don't they and concerts and all sorts and to be able to sort of be able to do that as well as making it a proper football stadium I think they've done a decent job one thing that was a little bit weird was where we were in the away end we were basically right at the back weren't we in the corner like pretty much back row if not what three or four rows off the back and it's weird because they've got Tottenham corporate sort of in the lower tier still but behind the away end we had some bits of fun didn't we with the Tottenham fans in there because we were so close to them some bloke in there was was gobbing off I mean as a Tottenham fan I don't know why you'd sit in there and decide to gob off to the away fans um, but he was loving life in the first half with Villa's disallowed goal but in the second half obviously we'll, we won't come on to talk about the goal just yet but just that weird section behind the away end where there was corporate Tottenham fans that was a lot of fun for us in the end wasn't it? Yeah it's never a good idea to put, uh, to put away fans right in front of uh, hospitality area it's like it's like it's like a villa placing like the away fans just in front of like the terrorist view people or something like that it's like bizarre isn't it but uh yeah no we had some good fun didn't we and uh yeah obviously a bit of banter flying flying between us and uh yeah, it made for an entertaining afternoon, really, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, he was gobbing off and he got told to be quiet by some bloke in, uh, I presume he worked at Tottenham, who was in a lanyard, and he told him to be quiet, so that was funny. And then he left five minutes before the end and we all waved him off, so uh, shout out to that bloke, that was very funny. But uh, just pre-game, the, the Terry Venables stuff was nice, because obviously we were very close to the stadium, weren't we? We found out that Terry Venables had passed away, obviously before my time, I don't know too much about him, but hearing what, what people were saying about him and the tributes that, that Tottenham were playing and, and they were sort of saying on the big it was a nice moment that before the game wasn't it yeah it was it was and uh, yeah Terry Venable's sort of a legend in the game really I mean um, but it, most of it came a little bit before my time but just a yeah an incredible manager obviously he was the one that all England fans sort of talk about he 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 got the belief back around the country really in terms of I think England went through and you know a number of years of not being particularly brilliant um, and obviously in Euro '96 Venables took England to, to to the semis and arguably really should have made it to the final that year really and probably should have done better in the end but no he was uh, he was he was he was one of those sort of one of those sort of old old fashioned coaches but with a really sort of like forward thinking sort of mind and uh, mm. yeah he did a great job with England and Tottenham and a few other clubs as well so yeah it was uh, yeah it would have been fairly emotional for Tottenham yesterday obviously yeah he's, a, he's an absolute club legend so yeah it was nice to see the tribute to him yeah very closely associated with Tottenham so that was nice before the game but getting into it blimey that was a fast start wasn't it I think it could have been about 3-1 4-1 to Tottenham within about the first two or three minutes it was a, a wild frantic start wasn't it 
Yeah, yeah, it was, and um, I, I don't know, mate. It took me a little bit by surprise, to be honest. I've, I haven't seen. I have, I'll be honest. I haven't seen a lot of Tottenham this season. I think yeah. some of the games have sort of clashed around with where Villa are playing. So I haven't sat down and watched like uh, a lot of Spurs for like for like ninety minutes, and so seen bits and bobs on match of the day, but. Don't know. I was quite surprised with how they sort of lined up. I mean, a lot of the time when they were attacking, it was like they had a back like two, wasn't it? At times, and mm. they had like a lot of these players sort of like floating. It was quite maverick, really, the formation. And I think the one thing I did think, though, I, you know, like the first the first ten minutes especially was just relentless, wasn't it? They were they were playing at like. 400, 500 miles an hour, weren't they? Um, yeah. And and I think the one thing I thought though was that yeah you can't maintain this for for a whole game though it's physically impossible um, yeah. for you to do that. Um, and I thought you know we need to sort of ride it out. And I think to be fair, I think any team would have struggled in that opening twenty odd minutes, twenty minutes, half an hour really against that. I don't think who I don't think it matters who the who the team would have been. I think they would have struggled uh, against that. And I think for Villa it was all about sort of hanging on in there at that point really and sort of getting through until that time when Tottenham did sort of tire out a little bit, because there's absolutely no way you are going to be able to keep that pace of football up for 90 minutes of a game, absolutely no mm. way. It was a wild system, wasn't it? I mean, Udogi, who technically on the team sheet was playing at left-back, he was he was playing like second striker, wasn't he? I think the first five minutes he had a couple of chances. It was absolutely mental how Spurs play, and you're right, they definitely look like they played two at the back, so I said it throughout the first half, if you sort of beat that that a really high press of Tottenham, you've got a really good chance because they're playing two sort of orthodox full-backs at centre-back in uh, Emerson Royale and Ben Davis. So on, on the sort of face of things, that's not great. But what did you make of Villa sort of going into it playing five at the back? I think Cash... He struggled a little bit, didn't he? Especially when he was on a booking. It kind of limited him. Like, how, how much could he actually get in, into the game and things like that? Carlos coming in. What did you make of that? Because it looked like we were struggling and sort of struggling to get our foot on the ball. About the first, what, 15, 20 minutes, that first half? Yeah, I, I understood I understood why he did it. I mean, I'm, I'm not... I think you know what I think about it. I'm not a personally a big fan of it, to be honest. But I, I could see why he did it. I don't think it worked, to be honest. Like, I really don't think it worked. Um, like I said, we were sort of hanging on for that, especially for that first twenty minutes. It did settle. It did, I think. I think it did settle after that, and I think that's the one main thing to point out. I've, I've read a lot of things since the game yesterday saying that Tottenham absolutely sort of obliterated us for the whole game, and that wasn't the case, though. That wasn't the case. Obviously, Tottenham did get the lead, and then. I mean, they didn't get him behind many more times in that first half. To be fair, so it did quiet. It did quieten down. But yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced it was the right way to go in terms of the the team to start out with. I, I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge fan of it, and I think the reason why is I just think it takes Conzer out of his best position, which is on the right. You know, that right sort of side of a of a back two. Um, but that. But that's no slur on. To be fair, it's no slur on Diego Carlos because again, I've been sort of saying I'm not. 100% convinced about Carlos in, in recent times but I thought he had a good game yesterday to be fair and I thought he I thought he was probably his best game this season I thought he, he, he well he won pretty much most things that, that was thrown at him and so yeah it's no slur on him I just think um, I think on, the, on, on, on how we play I just prefer us not to do that but I did understand why Emery did it. I thought, you know, he's trying to he's trying to shore it up a little bit, isn't he? Uh, but I don't think it particularly works. And I think he said that in his post match. You know, we were building up a lot of play down our left hand side, kind of ignoring our right hand side. It wasn't very balanced. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it probably didn't work. But I think the key was in that first half to sort of ride ride, ride the storm a little bit, especially with Villa's recent passed away from home. I mean, everybody was talking about it going into the game. It was so massive to sort of make a statement both against a side that you're going to be 
potentially competing top four, top six with, as well as just that away hoodoo. What was it? Two wins in 10 going into it away from home. And sort of early goals has really, really been a problem for Villa on their travels. Forest, uh, Legia Warsaw, Liverpool, Newcastle on the opening day, just to name a few. So I think it was so important. It could have been so easy, couldn't it, for Villa to roll over and concede one, two, three in that first 10 minutes because it was so frantic. But like you said, after that sort of 10 minutes died down, Yes, we didn't look after the ball very well, but I think we contained Tottenham quite well. I think they were getting in behind between Luka Dean and Paul Torres quite a bit. Kulazewski was having a bit of fun, wasn't he? Obviously hit the post as well with probably what was the biggest chance that didn't go in for them. He's got to score that for me. But they do get the goal and it's annoying because it's not something like they've worked really well to play in behind and it's a really well-crafted goal. I said in the video that it sort of reminded me of the Shabozlai goal away at Liverpool. It's sort of a, a corner that comes out and it's blasted in and you're just talking about Diego Carlos. It's so frustrating because if he doesn't get that nick off his thigh, is it? Martinez saves it, doesn't he? Yeah, and that's what was frustrating, really. I mean, it wasn't, as you say, it wasn't a quality goal. Carving through us, it wasn't a, a mm. fantastic goal. It was, yeah, it was a good shot, but it, it, as you say, Martinez was saving that. And, uh, you know, obviously it comes up off Diego Carlos' uh, knee and it, and, it, and it takes it away from Emmy Martinez in the goal. And So that was frustrating, I suppose, that... Um, it was a bit, a bit of a soft goal, you could say. He had a lot of time on the edge of the box as well, which was mm. uh, frustrating. Um, so yeah, it was it was annoying. Like I said to you, that's really irritating. You know, we've done fairly well in the end to sort of ride this out, and then you know we sort of conceded that goal just just after the twenty minute mark, which was frustrating. But I think the key thing after that really was to remain in the game. To sort of if we weren't gonna. I don't think I don't think we were ever expected to go to Tottenham and have 60-70% of the possession and actually absolutely mm. control the game but I think at that point I think if it had gone 2-0 you'd have been worried um, and I still yeah. think at that point it was really really vital that Villa sort of dusted themselves down and sort of just just were patient and calm and, and that's what we did really for the rest of the half which was fairly pleasing I thought yeah, I think up to the goal, we definitely weren't calm. I think we were struggling to sort of get two or three passes together and it really wasn't working. But we reacted brilliantly, didn't we? I think it's Luca Dean and McGinn who find a bit of space and they work it brilliantly and it's sort of like a trade, trademark Luca Dean cross and it's a great ball into Ollie Watkins to, to get the header and we were right behind that header, weren't we, in the away end and it's absolutely brilliant. It just feels like it goes on and on and on, that VAR call, which is so unfortunate because it's Ollie Watkins once again and it's such a great goal. But VAR, we were talking about it at half, time yesterday weren't we it was so frustrating in the stadium I mean lucky you've got absolutely ridiculously good signal so you're all over Twitter seeing all the screenshots and stuff so that was good so we could see at the time but it just went on for ages and in the stadium it's so frustrating because we're looking at it and we're thinking well it's an offside so it's not like they're looking at you know the Newcastle Arsenal game a couple of weeks ago where they're looking at this they're looking at that and it's subjective whatever this is a black and white offside call so it was so frustrating how it took so long and I sound like a broken record because we talk about this all the time but it, it was a close one because you were saying in the stands that one what people on Twitter are saying one angle says it's off one angle says it's on it was an annoying one wasn't it it was, and it took absolutely ages. Yeah, three about three and a half minutes it took, which um, mm. which is crazy, isn't it, in the grand scheme of things? But um, but yeah, and I think that's what made it tough is that the first angle that they was looking at, he was just offside. It was so tight, it was really really marginal. Um, so that first one showed that he was slightly off, and then the second the second angle showed that he was he was on. So it was. I think they were. They, they, I think they were struggling to come up come up with the decision. To be honest, I think I said to you at half time, deny that it was one of them. That if they'd have if they'd have given that, I don't think anybody argues with it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, it was one of those sort of toenail ones again, wasn't it, where it can go either way. I suppose it was, I suppose it was slightly offside, um, and I suppose the decision was correct, and I suppose people will say that 
that's the purpose of VAR. Eventually, they come to the right decision, and I think I think they probably did. But yeah, it was it was frustrating. Um, you know, obviously it was a it was a, it was a great instant response if it had a stood, and obviously Luca Dean doing what he does best with an absolutely brilliant cross into the box and Watkins attacked it really well but yeah it's just unfortunate it was uh, it was offside and, and, and that was that so we were chatting about it at half time weren't we we were saying maybe not with this exact decision because yeah you're right it probably is just offside but this is more of a general point with how blurry sort of Watkins body is when it's that close can you actually be a hundred percent I think we were saying like nobody ever talks about the frame that they use when it leaves Luca Dean's foot as well because if you zoom into the ball there it's going to be sort of like an oval blurred shape and you're not going to be able to get a hundred percent the frame that it left his foot so when it's that close it's like can you be sure? And it's I don't get why they don't use the automatics offside as well that we've seen in the in the World Cup because I don't know why you wouldn't because that seems pretty black and white. That seems like it works great. I love the graphic that comes up like it's 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 daylight, it's clear, it's obvious, and that's that's exactly what we want as fans. So yeah, that was that was an annoying one, wasn't it? It was it was really really frustrating, especially being in the stadium. Yeah, and it and it comes back to some of the calls that some people have had in the media about you know should the striker be given the sort of advantage there the the benefit of the doubt when it's when it is that close and I think what you said there about the, the semi-automated system I think I think that will come in it'll have to worry I think the Premier League resisted uh, last summer I think there was strong calls for them to adopt it last summer and they resisted it but I think with what happened in that Liverpool game earlier in the season and some of the other things that have happened this season I, I'd be surprised if they don't adopt it sort of from next season or or whenever, um, I I just they can't surely they can't resist it for much longer. And then not a fat lot happened after that goal got disallowed, was it? I think obviously Tottenham calmed down a little bit and Villa sort of found their feet a little bit and created a couple of chances. That Paul Torres header, I haven't seen it back to be fair, but in the stadium it looks like he should be doing yeah. a lot better. But he redeems himself, doesn't he? he redeems himself massively with. I think it's going to go down as an underrated goal because it's so good because that free kick is so, so far out and it's absolutely pinpoint perfect onto Pau Torres' head and it's such a perfect header as well. The curve on that header, the view that we had of it right in front of their fans, it's a great goal, one of my favourites this season. Yeah, and it was pretty much last kick of the half, wasn't it? And I, I said, just get this in the box, get, get your big men up, up up there. And I think I said, I think I said, you know, get Carlos and Torres up there sort of thing. And we don't usually, we don't do it a lot, do we? We don't mm. we don't swing the ball in the box very often because we don't have such a big team. But I found it interesting that Emery sort of took over on that routine and uh, Austin McPhee sort of took a step back. You know, he's usually leading all the set pieces. But because it wasn't such a technical set piece, I think Emery was like, you know what, it's the last kick of the game. Just get it in the box. Um, and thank God we did because it, it was a lovely ball by Douglas Luiz. It was absolutely pinpoint. And then, I mean, Torres to, to get that side and get that sort of power in the header was just phenomenal and yeah it was just a, a really nice nice goal that was a really well taken goal but yeah absolutely perfect delivery from Douglas Louise and and an absolute perfect time to score really I mean it doesn't you know you, you can't get a better time to score can you just before half time you've been on the ropes a little bit um, but it gives you that you know you're back in the game you're on, on level terms and it gives you that chance to sort of refresh and I found that really interesting what Emery 
uh, said, I didn't notice this at the time, but as soon as uh, Paratara's had headed that in, Emery obviously went mad and did his celebration, which we've all seen. But then <laughs> he instantly walked back to the dressing room and he didn't watch the last uh, minute and a half, two minutes um, of that stoppage time. He, he said he wanted to get back in the dressing room because he knew he had to make tactical decisions at half time and he wanted a couple of minutes to sort of gather his thoughts a little bit. Um, and again, just the sign of a, a top manager who's fully engaged in, in, in everything and how intense he is within the game. He just. He, he, he knows, and I think I said at half-time to you, I said, you know what, I think we've got a chance now. And I, and I think we've got a real chance to go on and win this game. And if he makes one or two changes, I thought he'd make, I thought he'd make one change at half-time and he ended up making two. And I, I just felt like it, that goal for half-time was so vital, it really gave us that avenue to get back in the game. Yeah, it's a huge goal, really, really big goal. Because, I mean, the fact that Emery goes down the tunnel and has to sort of rethink his whole sort of half-time plan says it all, doesn't it? Because game's changed that quickly, the game has changed. And you talk about the sort of free-kick routine there that Emery took over. Jacob Tanswell from The Athletic says, before Douglas Louise took the free-kick, it was Emery instructing the routine. Austin McPhee this time was the one behind him. Emery screamed at Louise to whip, uh, whip it in behind the Spurs back line and Torres heads in emphatically. Such a great goal and that was just... Just a pretty interesting point. But yeah, at halftime, we noticed that Bailey was warming up and we didn't realise actually it was a double change, which was really, really interesting because like you said, maybe one change, but to go all out, Bailey and Tielemans come on for Cash and Diaby. Obviously, Cash was struggling. That tackle on Benson Core, which has caused an absolute weird outrage on Spurs Twitter. Really, really weird. But he was having a, a difficult afternoon. Obviously, Diaby comes off as well, who I thought was, was a little bit quiet. It's I don't know what's going on with Diaby. I, I, I don't think it's a problem or anything like that. He just seems to have been... A little bit quiet in the last couple of weeks. I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's not a problem. We're still scoring goals for fun. Watkins is still in the game. So I don't think it's too much of a problem. But Diaby, quiet once again in that first half? Yeah, maybe. But but maybe he was a victim of the circumstances that Villa were playing in, in the first half. You know, we didn't we didn't get the ball up a lot to Ollie Watkins and, and, and Diaby in the first half. And I think if he'd have been playing in the second half, Diaby, when Tielemans came on, obviously, I think he would have had more joy. Obviously, the space that Bailey had in the second half obviously that would have been afforded to Diaby sort of thing and so maybe a victim of how the game played out I don't think he was yeah. he wasn't hooked because of a bad performance it was just that yeah. I think it was just that uh, I think Emery just wanted that sort of fresh pair of legs a bit of fresh impetus on and yeah I, I don't think it's a problem at all I think Diaby's one of our absolute key players and uh, yeah you need a squad don't you you need different players for different uh, scenarios essentially and I think I think that's what happened mm. really I think that was a really interesting move actually because it sort of moves the pace outlet doesn't it obviously Diaby's fairly central playing alongside Watkins but then you move that pace out wide and it gives like we said earlier Udogi the left back was so far forward for Tottenham so it sort of pins him back a little bit with Bailey on the pitch because it gives him something to think about and Bailey was, was pretty good when he first came on you could see he had that confidence about him he was playing right in front of the Villa fans he was getting right behind him and he hits the post quite early in the, in the second half doesn't he I mean it's a bit of a, a spill from the goalkeeper he's quite fortunate in the end Vicario in the Tottenham goal but it's unfortunate from Bailey but I thought he looked lively when he came on didn't he? I thought he was really really good I thought he was excellent he really took he really took the game to Tottenham um, and I thought he had he had a, do- a dogey every single time down that side so, sometimes mm. with Bailey it's a little bit frustrating because it's like he, sometimes he doesn't have the confidence to, to really take them on yeah. and, he, and he's got the beating of them that's the thing Like, but I think overall I think I thought he was excellent I thought he brought he brought, the, he brought the midfielders into the play quite a lot. I noticed that obviously Louise and Kamara got on the ball a lot more because of Bailey sort of Bailey sort of direct running as well. Um, so no, I thought he was uh, I thought he was 
yeah, really good, and it was a, a perfect tactical switch, definitely. He, he was really good, and like you said, it kind of feels like with Leon Bailey that he's a little bit predictable. Yeah, I get that, but I think he needs to have a little bit of belief in himself at times. Like, pretty much everyone in that ground knows that you're going to cut in on your left foot. We get it, but do it, but just in your head sort of say right I'm going to do this I'm going to get past you but he kind of feels like he's he's chopping inside and he, he's sort of not getting his head up I think he just needs to sort of say to himself have that confidence just go for it mate burn past him because he's got the pace especially with your doggy facing the wrong way just breeze past him I know it's easy for me to say sort of standing in the stands and stuff but we know Bailey can do it we know he's got that pace he just maybe at times you just want to see a little bit more from him and it's, it's harsh to criticise him because he scored a lot of goals and has got a lot of assists in terms of how many minutes he's played this season just a couple of occasions you want to see a little bit more from him because we know he's got the talent yeah look he's, he's that type of maverick player isn't he he's, he's inconsistent within a game and and in games in general do you know what I mean he's like mm. he's he can be he can do something absolutely brilliant and do something really terrible and but I think, but I think, especially off the bench recently, he's been he's been excellent. And I think uh, I, I've said it for a while. I said I've, you know, I know he wasn't playing with Diaby in the second half, but I kind of feel like the arrival of Diaby in the summer so, sort of, I don't know, sort of spurred Bailey on a little bit. And I, 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 mm. I think he's. Um, I genuinely think he's he's a fairly key player for us in terms of in terms of playing different tactical scenarios and yeah he's not suited to every single one of them of course he's not but um, he's such a good option to have if if he doesn't start then to come off the bench and I think he's you know his goals and assists have been stacking up and uh, and yeah fair play to him because I think I, yeah I think he's I think he's a fairly key player for us he's an excellent op- option off the bench of course he is and especially when you get in the likes of Moreno Ramsey back who are sort of they obviously they were on the bench yesterday as well the bench is definitely starting to look a little bit stronger now as well and that, that says it all bringing Bailey and Tiedemans off the bench at half time absolutely love that um, it was very end to end that second half wasn't it we sort of said in the ground like this could quite easily go either way because Villa would have an attack Tottenham would have an attack and uh, how about Son's offside hat trick that was absolutely mental that was and people sort of panicking sort of saying get a grip Villa whatever whatever but if you play someone offside that's a success that's good defending that's not that's not all we've been let off there in Emery's world and that's how Villa play that's success and that's a victory exactly it's how we play and it's and it's how calm we are in doing it I was watching the Monday Night Football just before we jumped onto the podcast um, and Jamie Carragher was analysing Villa's sort of the pros and cons of Villa's sort of high line system and uh, he was he was showing quite a few clips and to be to be honest most of the clips were real, real positive the only the only negative uh, clips that they were showing was was against Liverpool earlier in the season when when it did look mm. a bit creaky and we did get caught out. But just showing the movement from yesterday's game and the, you know the real impressive movement of Diego Carlos and and Conza and obviously Torres and you know that's how Villa play and I kind of feel I kind of feel like um, it's gone a bit weird this season because obviously the the rule is that the flag sort of stays the flag sort of stays down. I feel like it's coming to people's heads that that's like that that's that's unlucky for the opposition. Oh, it's unlucky for Tottenham. That is, you know, they scored three offside goals. How unlucky is that? And it's like, well, it's not mm. unlucky, is it? It's not a chance. You've been caught offside. That that's exactly what Villa are trying to do. They're they're trying to play yeah. the offside trap, and it's worked successfully. It's not a chance, is it? If it's an off if it's an offside goal, like like. 
mm. and that's the that's what I mean. Like years ago, the flag would have gone up, and every, no one would have been off the seat, and nobody would have been saying, "Oh, that's really unlo- really unlucky that is he's offside again." Like no one would even yeah. talk about it, would they? Um, but it did make me laugh. It was always Son again because if you go back to the game, <laughs> if you go back to the game at Villa Park back in uh, April, um, it was him all the time back at Villa Park as well. Um, and so like it just yeah, it just amused me. Like Son clearly can't get the better of Villa's backline in terms of beating his offside trap. So. Um, yeah, and do you know what? I know it's a little bit, it's a little bit nerve wracking to watch at times because obviously, especially with the linesman keeping his flag down, you're a bit like, oh god, is this gonna, is this gonna stand or not? But do you know what? I've, I don't know. I just got full confidence in it. I think we're so used to it now, and the players, it's not even been brave anymore. I think it's literally just. If it would be brave if it was like a one-off, and I think that's what Carragher was saying. If if it's if if it's a one-off, that's when players are being brave. But if this has been coached into you, drilled into you every every week, it's just standard, isn't it? And yeah, I I just think Villa are really really good at it. Um, and yeah, I I quite I quite enjoy it. I quite enjoy seeing fans who don't read the game properly start celebrating goals, <laughs> and then and then the flag goes up. I find that quite amusing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we talked about that bloke earlier, but he was up and down like a yo-yo. That <laughs> yeah. bloke when he yesterday with the offside goals. Honestly, you just turned around to him, and you were just like, settle down, settle down. And someone tweeted actually, this was quite funny on Twitter. Son's highlights during that game, and it was just a picture of the linesman <laughs> with his offside flag up. That was really amusing. This is a crazy. Easy stat, by the way. Opponents course offside since Unai Emery took over in November 2022. Aston Villa, 165. Then the team in second is Liverpool. Guess how many? We've had 165. Guess how many they've caught their opponents offside? Was it, it, was, it was something like, was it like 80 or 90, something like that? It was quite low, wasn't 93, it? 93. 93. So it's almost double. And that's the team in second. Like you've got Liverpool with 93, Fulham 81, Man City 75, and then it goes down from there. That's absolutely mental. And on the face of it, yes, it's a risky game, but this is what we're doing. And like you said, that's good coaching. That's not yeah. a risky game or element of being brave, yeah. But it's also good coaching, and that's the game that we play. And like you said, like if if this was a couple of years ago and the linesman's flag go up. No, Nobody really talks about it, but it's this new semi-stupid rule because I think they don't do it spot on. But in terms of leaving the flag down, whatever, it does seem a, a little bit dangerous, a little bit dangerous. But we'll come on to the Villa winner. Oh, mate, I talked about how much I love the Pau Torres goal. This probably my favourite goal of the season so far. I know there's different types of goals. I think Duran against Palace was outrageous, but this one, just how quick and perfect this goal was. Obviously, Tielemans was was outrageous. We'll talk about him in a bit. He he was fantastic when he came on. But this goal, from start to finish, the one-two, the pace of it, how perfect everybody's touch was, the finish, the scenes, it was just such a good goal. It was, it was. It was, it was perfect, really. And do you know, I didn't realise how good the goal was until... Uh, I watched I watched it back when we got on the coach afterwards but you're right it was the one two it was how quick Tielemans reacted he's sort of how he just he stopped the ball dead didn't he and then quickly played it through for Watkins that vision for the pass and then Watkins with like a first time shot essentially because if he'd have given it any more time the defender probably would have got there because the defender was coming mm. across uh, so Watkins had that sort of nose to think right I've got to shoot first time here and uh, yeah it was a lot and a great just a great finish and then absolute scenes in the away end and all the Villa fans all the Villa sorry all the Villa players running over to the Villa fans and yeah mm. it was just uh, yeah it was one of my favourite goals actually yeah it was one of my favourite goals of the season too Watkins that is just world class centre forward play isn't it the touch and the finish how quick it is the precision of it it's so good and Yuri Tielemans how good was he when he came on he's just he got a bit of stick earlier on in the season people saying that he didn't look fit and understandably so but he was playing in games 
doesn't he? A couple of games in Europe, he played against Everton in the Cup next to Dendonka in a side that was was sort of disjointed, players who hadn't played together before, new signings were involved, so it's always going to be hard for him, but when you play him in sort of that first side and he's next to someone like a Louise or a Kamara and he's playing in a side with a bit of momentum about them, he is a different level and he's really, really finding a bit of momentum himself, isn't he? He's so good at the moment, uh, Yuri Tielemans. And especially with Kamara getting a yellow card yesterday and that meaning he's out for the Bournemouth game. You don't worry. Because, well, you do, I don't know. I, I know Tielemans is a different player, but I think there's, <laughs> it's not a bad option, isn't it, to come in re- and replace a suspended Kamara next week? I think he's been excellent, Tielemans. I, I really do. And I think he, at the moment he deserves to, he, he deserves a place in the starting eleven for me at the moment. I think he was a little bit unlucky that he wasn't starting yesterday. And yeah, I think yeah. the most pleasing thing for me with Tielemans is that he, he can play in so many different roles and yet he still finds that form. I mean, you think about it against Fulham when he was over on that left-hand side uh, and yet mm. when he comes on yesterday, he's he's behind the striker as that you know that number 10, sir, so to speak. But I think I think the major thing with Tielemans, it was about giving him time and I think he said himself he struggled with the intensity that Unai Emery was, was, was demanding of his midfielders when he first came to the club and that says it all really about how good you've got to be in midfield and... Uh, and yeah, I mean, a lot of people are looking at him, thinking, "Oh, is he a little bit of a, is he a bit of a busted flush kind of thing? Is he as he come here and he can't run? He's not, you know, he's a little bit unfit." People were saying he was a bit overweight, and people were saying like, you know, this is a. A, a, a symptom of, of, of Leicester's problems and you know he started his career so young and he sort of burnt out kind of thing but people were saying all kinds of things weren't they and all of a sudden he's starting to show exactly why we signed him and um, I, yeah starting to show consistent performances and he was brilliant Tielemans was absolutely brilliant he was not not only supporting Watkins in that sort of attacking role and obviously he got the assist he was also breaking up the play though and his passing was like really really precise in that second half taking pressure off the off the defence when Tottenham are coming for us and so yeah Tielemans was absolutely brilliant oh he's one of my favourite players at the moment he's, he just oozes class doesn't he he's one of them players who kind of makes it look effortless whatever he does he just makes it look easy someone else I want to talk about as well who who pretty much kept us in the game who we take for granted Emi Martinez how good was he yesterday I think in the first half in that spell at the start of the game he made a couple of crucial saves but the one I want to talk about is that double save in the second half so that first one which was a block I think it was from Kulazewski it might not have been but the second one was absolutely outrageous have you seen that the angle from yeah. behind the goal yeah that is absolutely unbelievable because he's he's sort of blocked as well his view isn't there because there's a lot of villa bodies back there and for him to sort of stretch we had a great view from the away end i know it was so far away but that is just world class and he's 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 pretty much won us the game there he wins us so many points doesn't he well that's it he's unbelievable and uh i think when a goalkeeper wins you points on his own you know he's a real world class goalkeeper and he's you know, he hasn't been given the world's best goalkeeper award for nothing. He he is genuinely incredible. Uh, yeah, it feels weird to say that the world's best goalkeeper's playing for Villa, doesn't it? Um <laughs> but yeah, and like he just he, he amazes me every week though, Emmy Martinez does though. And it's like he's such a big bloke and yet he's so agile though, like how he throws himself around and gets himself into positions, which a lot of the a lot of you know, really big goalkeepers wouldn't wouldn't probably be able to do and he's just so powerful and strong, isn't he? And uh yeah, he you you're right, you're absolutely right. He won us those three points yesterday essentially. I know we didn't get the like the 
the winner that, that that Watkins did, and obviously Watkins will get all the prize for that for scoring the winner. But yeah, Emmy Martinez absolutely outstanding, and that 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 double save again. That that even the first one, he had to react really quickly to that. It was all about yeah, yeah. it was all about his reactions, wasn't it? Um, and he did that, and then yeah, that's that second one was just uh, it was just a ridiculous save, wasn't it? And so yeah, I and mean, it's why you have such a good goalkeeper, and uh, yeah, what a. What what a what a treat it is for us to have him in our goal. It's just yeah, sensational. Yeah, I think we take it for granted a little bit. I think it goes under the radar how quick he is as well. I think with the way Villa play, because we play that sort of high line, he's got to be quick. He's got to be aware. And that first save out of the double save, obviously, like you said, he's out there quickly to to, to make the block. And I think something else. I mean, I could talk about him all night, but something else I like about him as well was a couple of occasions, sort of towards the end of the game, Spurs were putting on a little bit of pressure, weren't they? They were having a couple of corners, floating the ball into the box, and he just comes and catches it sits on the floor for a bit, wastes a bit of time, and it's just so fun being a Villa fan, watching your goalkeeper just pick the ball out of the sky. And this is completely going off on a tangent, this is so random, but were you at... uh Burnley away, New Year's Day, twenty twenty, the Wesley injury game. Were you at that one? No, I was in, uh, I was in, I was in America at that. I think, I was, yeah, I was in America. Oh, for that of one. course, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was one of the games you were away. Uh, Orjan Nyland, I can't believe he's got a shout out on the podcast. He played that day and he did the same thing towards the end of the game. Obviously, what Villa were two, two one up, yeah. And he comes and claims the ball, and I've never heard a roar so loud from that away end at Burnley. Whether that was because it was Orjan Nyland and we were all a little bit nervous about him, I don't know. But I love it when a goalkeeper comes out from like a set piece and just catches the. Ball and goes down yeah. it's just like everyone in that way and sort of breathes a sigh of relief it's so so good and it just it just calms you down doesn't it and as a defender as well imagine having him behind you like it's just outrageous I love him and I can't believe like you said he's Aston Villa in his ours yeah and what you just said there about coming out claiming the ball like that under pressure and then just going to, that's just regulation for Emmy Martins isn't it he does that he does that every week pretty much and like what you just said there about you know Villa fans went absolutely mad when Oya Nyland did it and that's probably because we never saw him do it um, and yet and yet <laughs> And yeah, Emmy Martinez does that every single week, and we don't even bat an eyelid anymore. Um, so yeah, like he's just incredible, Emmy Martinez, and yeah, we all love him. And and he, you know what, he loves us as well, Emmy Martinez. Just seeing him, just seeing him at the end of the game running towards us. Just, oh. I just love, I just love everything about the bloke. He's just yeah, incredible. I love that sort of stuff, you know. We were watching, um, well, me, my parents were watching the Villa on tour video earlier. My mum goes, oh, I love this sort of stuff when the players come over at the end of the game. She's not a big football person, but yeah. she loved that. Like Martinez coming over to the away end like after the game. That is just class. He's jumping up in the air, fist bumping. But he can't be that great because he can't keep a clean sheet. It's absolutely mental. When's it going to happen, mate? You were saying before the game, you fancy a 1-0 clean sheet today. It's never going to happen, is it? Uh, maybe not, but do you know what? I don't. I don't. <laughs> Who cares? I don't. Honestly, I don't care. It's like if we keep winning games, I really, really don't care. It'll probably come in like the the, the game that you least expect it, like Man City. Man at home City. Or something. Yeah, it'll probably come in that game or something, which I'm all for. But I don't. Honestly, I don't really care to be honest. With you. I think if you really keep winning games, then. Yeah, they, 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 the opposition can score. I'm really not that bothered. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And where does that rank then in away days? Because it's got to be up there. It can't, well, I say it feels normal. We were talking about how poor the away record is, sort of two wins in 10 going into it. But just in general, it, it just kind of feels normal now, doesn't it? Having these wicked days following the Villa, and it's such a pleasure coming on that coach after the game, going on social media, seeing how buzzing everybody is, seeing all the clips from the game, and pundits starting to rave about Villa now because finally we're in the top four, and it's nice 
to actually bridge that gap now because we've been in fifth for what feels like a while and that's absolutely not me complaining. But to beat a size who we're competing to get sort of Champions League, European football with this season, to beat them away from home, Spurs had won the league in October. Everyone was like, oh, can Spurs win the title? And now they've lost three on the bounce. We've overtaken them. We're in the top four. It's just, it's just dreamland, isn't it? And I'm loving every single minute in every single game at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it was it was one of, it was one of my favourites. It was really up there as one of my favourites as well. And um, and I think just more so because of how important the game was, you know, against a side as you said around mm-hmm. around us in the league and um, a side who who's been the media's sort of darlings this season and ball and all the rubbish that you hear. And, <laughs> and I and I think and I think you I think you know better than anybody how annoyed I've been by the whole Tottenham thing in the last sort of. Well, this is the start of the season. I think the big... right that needs context. That needs context. Where we were coming home from a European game was it the Netherlands? I think it was. We were driving home from Stansted, me and you, and it was the Friday night game. Was it? It was Crystal Palace versus Tottenham. Yeah. And Tottenham won it, didn't they? I think Palace had a disallowed goal, and Tottenham had got a little bit lucky, and they were top of the league at that point. And you were like pretty angry about Tottenham. You were like, they had that goal against Liverpool, the Luis Diaz shambles of VAR. They've played a load of easy teams, whatever, whatever. It, they, it'll fall apart for Tottenham, and everyone was even about Tottenham, whatever, and you just weren't having it, were you? No, I wasn't. I wasn't because d- d- look, don't get me wrong. I think it's an admirable how he's got them playing, and I think it's it's bra- a brave way of playing. I don't. I don't think it's sustainable at all, and that's what I've mm. been saying. And it's kind of why Spurs probably didn't beat us yesterday because they went absolutely mental for the first 20, 25 minutes, and then died a death after that. Really, you know, we mm. and we just carried on being calm and patient and you know we're a bit more structured aren't we but yeah I just felt like earlier on in the season they were just getting a lot of luck though like they were you know when they beat Sheffield United in the last minute like they were lucky that yeah. day they were poor and there's been other games when they've had a lot of luck as well and I just um yeah I, I don't know and like he, you know what the media are like they it's the new kid on the block isn't it and Ange yeah. this Ange that and you know what he seems like a lovely bloke I've got nothing against him and, and I think he's probably a, a good manager he's done really well in Australia and Japan he did really well for Celtic and I think he's a good manager and probably a lot better manager than what Spurs have had in recent times but let's just calm down a little bit let's just calm down a bit and <laughs> Villa rock up yesterday and yeah Joe cares they've got injuries well so has everybody I mean Villa have been missing Mings and Buendia for, the, for an entire for the entire season remember two of our real key players and then we've had Ramsey and Moreno out you know for, straight away there four players that started literally every game for us last season so let's just calm down a bit on the Tottenham thing you know I'm not, I think I think they'll be up there I do I think they'll be up there challenging with us but let's just calm down a bit and that, that, that's what made me like just really happy as so Villa rock up and, and yeah and, and I not, don't care about injuries I really don't care about injuries to be honest with you every club goes through it we've gone through it we're still going through it um, I mean, I mean, nobody was talking about Man United a few a few weeks ago, were they? When when everyone was saying that Ten Hag had to go and stuff like that, no one was talking about Man United's injuries. How how they'd got no centre halves left and they were playing Johnny Evans, who'd just been signing a short term deal. No one was talking about that but because it's Spurs. Oh, Ange, it's terrible for Ange. You know, it's like, get a grip, get a grip, man. Um, so yeah, uh, rant about Tottenham Hotspur over, but yeah, I was uh, delighted, and I, yeah, it was one of my favourite away days, definitely. Now I'm going to set you off again here by saying uh, John Townley tweeted this. This is a comment from Ange Postacoglu after the game. It's disappointing. On another day, it's a game we win comfortably. Not happy with the defeat. 
See, on a Victor game, we win comfortably. It's like, well, what does that if mean? we score more than you, we'll win. It doesn't make any sense. It's like a Michael Owen quote. That is, that's stupid. Yeah, what does that mean? That's just hot air. That is. That's just that's just <laughs> that's just words on a piece of paper. That literally means nothing. On another day, we'd have won. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. On another day, we'd have won ten one. Then or it's stupid. <laughs> what a stupid thing to say. Um, so you yeah, know, I love the fact that our manager doesn't come out with like stupid stuff like that or do stupid stuff like that. You know, like. Arteta's a bit of a, a culprit of it, isn't it? He's a bit of an idiot. I, just the one that springs to mind was when yeah. he came to Villa Park last season and the ball, the referee stopped the game because a free kick, the ball was rolling. And he did a stupid sort of, he was imitating the referee, wasn't he, doing that stupid movement. And he just seems like a bit of an idiot and a bit cocky. But the manager we've got, Emery, he just doesn't do that sort of thing. And his comments after the game, again, this comes from Jacob Tanswell. Life is passing very quick. I enjoy each game. Even at Forest, I told the players I was very proud of them. Today we won, but I'm trying to keep balance with myself and the players. Now we go to Bournemouth and focus on three points. He's just so level and perfect and everything he does he's just he's the guy isn't he I love him so much yeah he's just he's so respectful of everybody isn't he and he's just he's, he's not bothered about outside noise he's just he doesn't want to criticise referees or anything like that he's just let's concentrate on the game and you know we'll and we'll see what happens. And he's so steadfast in that. And uh, he's he's and you can tell he's buzzing to be at Villa with the structure that we've got. He's buzzing. Um, you can see it in his celebrations and just how into it he is. Um, it's just yeah, we say it every week, don't we? But he's the absolute perfect manager. That's thirty-eight games uh, now then for Unai Emery in the Premier League in charge of Aston Villa. And I kind of get this stat, but in another way, obviously it's a bit of it's one of them where it's a bit in the air, whatever. So he's been a manager for thirty-eight games for Aston Villa in the Premier League and. He's got 77 points. So in the 92-93 season where we came second, obviously that's 42 games. We only got 74 points. 09-10 season, we got 64 points in that season, 38 games. 95-96, another very good season, only got 63 points. Uno Emery now has got 77. Obviously it means absolutely nothing because it's over the course of two seasons. But again, it's just a stat that shows how far we've come and how well we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, exactly. And, uh, and, it's, and you, know, you keep seeing these people on social media and in the media going, oh, you know, the bubble burst for Villa. And I saw uh, I saw some people say yesterday, oh, that, foot, that football Villa plays, you know, it's not, it's not, it doesn't, you can't keep going forward playing football like that. People are trying to say that our football was negative yesterday. It's been be- a year. Because, it's yeah, been a year. but people saying we were negative <laughs> yesterday against Tottenham because we didn't allow Tottenham to play. Well, oh, sorry for not allowing we you won. to just walk all over us, you know, like <laughs> really apologise for that, you know. It's, just, it's ridiculous. Like when people watch Villa on a, on a, on a weekly basis, they'd know that we have a different game plan for every single opposition that we all come up against sometimes we're a little bit more gritty sometimes we rip teams apart kind of thing you know we beat Brighton at home 6-1 and they couldn't even touch mm. us and West Ham for, like people just you know they that, it's just it's just well it was Spurs fans yesterday who just just a bitter essentially and just the reaction has been mental I mean you look at that like oh, you look at that foul that Cash made on Ben Tancourt yesterday and yeah Ben Tancourt was playing well and it wasn't a great challenge it was just a, a, a typical late Defender challenge, wasn't it? But it was it was a yellow card, and there's and there's nothing more. And you know, there's journalists out there today saying that he's only he's only bruised his ankle, and he'll be in contention to play on on the weekend. And it's like there we go then. And and in most quarters of North London yesterday, they wanted like Matty Cash hung for some reason. So uh, it's just it's you know pulling out old uh, videos of him fouling Matt Doherty like a couple of two seasons ago, saying this derailed us, this did, and it's like Matt Doherty really. I just it's just made me laugh, it really has. 
have they forgotten that they've got multiple players out with suspensions because they're yeah. dirty? That yeah. Romero is an absolute nutcase. He puts in a mental challenge every single game. He's a nutter. Basuma's out because he's suspended. It's just like what? Oh, have no. they forgotten the last oh, no. game at White Hart Lane when they played Chelsea and they just went absolutely berserk and they started fouling players all over the place? I oh, know. Well, that's like, well, that's it. And they're saying people keep coming out. Oh, Tottenham got sixteen players out. Yeah, but three of them are out because of their poor discipline. And then you're talking about and you're talking about our players. Being del- deliberately trying to injure people, Matty, look, Matty Cash, Matty Cash, mate, it was a bad, it was a bad challenge. It was just a late challenge. It was there was no intent there. There was no, there was no malice there. Like, just come on, guys, get over it. It wasn't like he went in with his studs up and he was like, you know, when like when Bruno Gimaraes, you know, when he reacts and he like puts in an elbow, yeah. or you can tell he's like he's he's got wound up. There was none of that with no. Matty Cash. Yeah, it's not a great tackle. It's a poor tackle, but it's a clear yellow card. Fair enough. It's not a red card. There's no studs no. or anything. So that was just bizarre. And that's Twitter for you. Um, it's just really really weird. But any anything else you want to talk about that game? I think if there's anything else, we'll uh, we'll move on to the European chat if we're done with that. Yeah. Well, now we'll move on. Yeah, it was. Uh... Yeah, all round a, a top, top win. Absolutely. Right then, it's an interesting one on Thursday. Like I said earlier, games are coming thick and fast in December and it's a huge, huge game in the Conference League. First versus second in Group E. Legia on nine points, Villa on nine points. Both got an equal record and it's annoying really because we've got a better goal difference. But in Europe, it doesn't work like that. Obviously, it goes head to head. Legia got the better of us, 3-2. Uh, first game of the uh, season in, the, in Europe. So that's why they're ahead of us at the moment. And I think if we beat them by two goals, we can firm first place if we win by one goal it's all still up in the air a little bit and it goes to the final day which is annoying because I think if we win by two goals solidifies first all done however annoying it might be because we're going to Bosnia we're going to Mostar and we want to see a win you can leave McGinn you can leave Luka Dean who's played every game this season at home you can leave Emi Martinez at home because they're going to need a rest for that Christmas sort of fixture list so it's a huge game and I'd love to beat them on Thursday I'd love to yeah, a big game. It'll be a tough game as well. I think they'll give us a, a really good game. And I've, we all know that European games are very different than Premier League games. So um, I think it'll be a tough game. I expect Emery to go very strong, to be honest, because it is such a, a, an important match. But yeah, looking forward to it. These are the games you want to be involved in, aren't they? And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. But yeah, you're right. If we can get that get that win, get that were two goal or more win then it's you know happy days and it's comfortable for us then isn't it yeah the two european games so far at villa park have been They've been good. I think the atmosphere's been okay. It sort of felt different to the Premier League. It's nice to be back, but I think this is the first one where it's like, right, there's something really, really on the line now. And don't get me yeah. wrong, I think when we get, or if we get into the knockouts, it'll be a different level mm. again. But I think this one has got so much riding on it, it's, it's going to be a big one. But I just wanted to talk to you about the whole sort of farce with the Legia Warsaw fans. We were talking about it in the pub before Tottenham, weren't we? It's an absolute shambles. If people don't know, they've had their uh, away allocation at Villa Park reduced to, I think it's 890, 900 tickets. Obviously, what what were RZ given? Was it the full sort of 17, 1800? So RZ were offered the full 17, 1800, but, um, but um, they they decided not to take that. So they only they only took the smaller allocation. So they only sold what Legia have been allocated. So like the nine hundred and eighty, mm. whatever it is. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so Legia have got a very decent fan base. They travel really well, whatever. But they they've been basically they they loved my video when I went over there that video's got nearly a quarter of a million views it's mental those Legia fans are class if you put anything like on, on YouTube or whatever and you put Legia Warsaw in the title those fans swarm to the video because they are obsessed and they're really really good but it's been a bit weird because they've sort of lost their heads about the reduced allocation and they've they've been in the comments section of, of my videos obviously because they know me as a Villa fan it's a little bit weird and they've been labelling Villa as like 
this is awful, but like racist and weird things like this. And they're really having a pop at Villa and they think it's because they're Polish and all of this sort of thing. They think that's why we've reduced the allocation. We're just doing it because it's them. But absolutely not. All you need to do is have a, an ounce of sense about you. Look at the last time they came to England at Leicester City a couple of years ago. They were causing absolute chaos. That away end that night was ridiculous. So many flares. It, it looked dangerous. And there's reports of stewards being attacked and kicked and whatever. So it only takes like a sense of thought to think, right, okay, maybe that's why they've reduced the allocation. But they think it's something against them, and it's really, really weird. Some of the comments on my Tottenham video from the Polish guys is is really, really bizarre. Yeah, well, it's not well, it's nothing that the club, you know, can do anything about. I mean, the the decision was made by the uh, safety advisory group here in the UK, and that's what they have recommended, and so that's what Legia have got. And as many guys, I, I said, you know, it's a shame for the the diehard Legia fans who don't cause any problems. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not tiring everyone with the same brush, but. Sort of goes to the territory, doesn't it? If you're going to misbehave, and they have done numerous times, Legia fans over the years, unfortunately, then you kind of have to, well, take your take your take your punishment, or take your sort of I don't know what 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 I'm trying to say. I don't know, just sort, sort, sort of take your put punishment on 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 the chin, really, yeah. and, and sort of move on. And it's a sh- it's a shame for him, and I think the police will have. I think the police will have a tough night on Thursday night, to be honest with you. I think there's going to, from what it sounds like, there's going to be a lot more Legia fans in Birmingham than what is going to be in the stadium. Um, and so I think the police might have a little bit of a difficult night. I know Villa are, I know the, sorry, I know the police are already putting plans in place to treat it like a second city derby. Yeah. Um, with like roadblocks and play, uh, stuff like that in place. But I don't think it'll be, I don't think the trouble will be Legia fans against Villa fans. I don't think it will be. Uh, I do, but I do think they'll cause some problems for the police, which no one wants to see. But, um, I think I think it's uh, I think the tension's quite high, isn't it? Really, from the Leggy fans, and obviously they put out Leggy put out a, a club statement yesterday, directed towards Villa, appealing to Villa for a, a, a you know a, a last minute sort of change of heart. <laughs> but it's not, it's not down to Villa, is it? And I, you know, it, look, it's difficult. I think if we were if we were you know like going to Leggy and they'd uh, limited our allocation, we'd be frustrated as well. So I do understand it, but. It's just circumstances, isn't it? But yeah, I just hope the police and the stewards are sort of prepared because I think I wouldn't be surprised to see turn a bit nasty between the fans and the police on on Thursday night. I hope not, but yeah, I hope not as well. Um, I think I'll be getting to the ground very early, and I encourage anybody else, especially if you're getting a train as well. I mean, we've we've tried to get the train for the previous two European games, and it's been it's been difficult, and that's without the sort of legier controversy that's been going on. So I don't know any anyone if you can. I know it's on a weeknight, people have got work and school, whatever. Just get to the ground early, just in case, because it's going to be we ju- we don't know at the moment because it's bizarre. In in com- in some of them comments on the video, that the, the legier fans were saying, "Oh, we treat." Villa fans with respect in Warsaw and they did there was no trouble at all and it was really well organised but Villa fans were never going to be any trouble there's never been any history of Villa fans going abroad and causing the amount of trouble that Legia fans have done time and time again so like I said it only takes sort of a second to look back and think right what have they done in the past especially coming to this country what have they done they've caused problems right let's let's try and reduce that by reducing their allocation and like I said they probably will bring loads more fans because fans like like we have done of book travel and things like that so it's going to be an interesting night and uh, i don't know we might see some distasteful scenes i don't know but good luck to the police because it's 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 going to be a difficult task isn't it it's good yeah, it's going to be a big operation but that's what the police are here for and um yeah but the, but the fact is though like the comments about us going to 
Warsaw and there not being any trouble. That was primarily because it was Villa fans, and Villa fans don't cause trouble. Though you know, it wasn't it wasn't just it wasn't because they were so hospitable yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we were we were caged in if you remember, and then we were we were had to be penned in for another two hours after mm. the match or more than that. So I'm not having this that we were looked after really well in Warsaw because I think that was that I think that's a ridiculous thing to say. To no, that was, it was just nonsense. it was just standard stuff, yep. wasn't it? So, but yeah, but yeah, I'm just I hope there isn't. I really hope there isn't, but. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, we were in the pitch black, weren't we, after the Warsaw game. There was police with riot shields just keeping us in place. There was thousands of, well, that was what, over over 1,500 Villa fans all tucked in together next to a river in the pitch black. There was one or two buses that came every sort of 45 minutes to an hour to come and get us to take us back to the city centre. So, yeah, it was good, but it wasn't perfect. So that argument is is nullified as well. Anything else you want to mention, mate? Any final words at the moment? It's looking good. Like I said many times, the Christmas run is coming out as thick and fast now. Warsaw on Thursday, Bournemouth, City, Arsenal going to Bosnia, Brentford, Sheffield United, Man United, Burnley, all in December. It's going to be relentless and I can't wait. It is. It's going to be hectic. It's going to be to be tough, tough on the, on the legs of the players, but um, this is exactly what you want, isn't it? You know, We might hit a few bumps in the road, we might do, but we've got full faith that even if we do hit a bump in the road, we'll recover fairly quickly because that's what this team tend to do. Um, as, as shown yesterday in the game, 1-0 down, and we come back and win 2-1 at a really tough place to go, really top side. So, yeah, um, really buzzing, really happy with how things are going. And, uh, yeah, uh, just, just really sort of wetting the appetite for the next few weeks, really. So, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait for Thursday. And, uh, and yeah, just, just take one game as it comes, really. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be good. And with all those games as well, there's going to be plenty of content uh, from us, obviously, on Villa on Tour and the podcast as well. So do subscribe on YouTube. Do subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening on to never miss an episode of the podcast or a YouTube video. And without further ado, we shall leave you to it. Do leave a review if you have enjoyed the podcast. Like I said, do subscribe and we shall see you next week. Up the villa. Oh.